Hello and welcome to Rockets Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by a text expander and Woo. fracture and water Woo. cooler trivia. I'm Simone de Rochefort. I'm a video producer at Polygon.com, and I'm joined today by Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress, and Christina Warren, world tra- traveler, senior cloud developer advocate, currently in Sydney, Australia. Hello from the future. <laughs> You're the furthest away guest that we've had on this show. I'm the furthest away I've ever been in my life. Um, yeah. I've never been to Australia before. I'm loving it. But it is utterly bizarre. Like, I'm 16 hours ahead of um, you two on the East Coast. I'm 19 hours ahead of uh, my husband on the West Coast. So, yeah, it's uh, it's weird, but it's cool. That's horrendous. I'm waiting for you to pull a Madonna and, like, your accent to just, like, slowly just start changing oh, depending my on God, what that country would... you're in. Yeah. Oh, that would be amazing. Actually, what's <laughs> really funny is that people in Australia seem to be desensitized to American accents. So yeah. I would I, I was expecting, like, every single Uber driver, cab driver, whoever to, you know, comment on my Americanness and my ugly American accent. And what uh, an Australian told me yesterday is that they're just so desensitized to it that it doesn't even occur to them. So I'm having people be like, oh, where do you live? And I'm like, in America? <laughs> and they're like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah. Aw, you wanted to be cute, but you're just normal. <laughs> yeah. That's a shame. I have it's kind of right. a dumb question. Is the world 24 hours around? Like... Australia is 19 hours ahead. Where is it 24 hours ahead? Or is it? I think there is a place. I'm not sure. I guess maybe Antarctica. I'm not really sure, to be honest. Yeah. Huh. Well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we'll Google this after the show and figure out how Isn't international like date lines some work. Line? There's some line. The I Greenwich Mean this on Line. The yeah, that yeah, line. But, but exactly. yeah, this that's is what I'm going to be Googling when you like go into like a long explanation of something, you're going to hear me start typing really fast. And that's going to be what I'm Googling. <laughs> and, um, and honestly, please, please, please interrupt the show and tell us what you've learned because this is important information. You know, I will. Today's show is going to be very good. We're going to cover Jeff Bezos's uh, skerfuffle with National Enquirer with a serious focus on cybersecurity. And I know that my voice sounded sarcastic just now, but it was not. Uh, We'll also be talking about Apple's proposal for its subscription news service, as well as Final Fantasy VIII, which is having its 20th anniversary this year. If we have time, we're going to talk about Russian Doll. If we have time. If we have time. Oh, God, I'm so excited for that. It's so good. It's so good. Okay. All right. First story of the day. So I don't think anybody could possibly have missed (laughs) Jeff Bezos' Medium post last week. (gasps) I was, I was, I saw Christina tweeting about it. I'm like, Christina, what are you talking about? And then I just scrolled down Twitter. Oh, you guys. And the next hundred so, stories were about it. I'm completely, no, it's like rocket rules always, right? Like our yep. episode, I think had just gone live and I was recording something in the studio and I like screamed out to all the people that I work with. They were not impressed. They were like, we don't care. And I was like, oh man, <laughs> I, I, this is one of the few times when I like miss media where, you know, things like that, you just scream out like, random things like, oh my God, there are nude pictures of Justin Bieber on the internet or, you know, um, uh, Miranda Kara says she hasn't had sex with Evan Spiegel yet or, you know, the Jeff Bezos thing where you just scream or, or oh, Brangelina. Brangelina, when they divorced, oh my God. I don't know how like, they could not scream about this because this is incredible. Thank you. So 
a, a while ago, uh, that the National Enquirer published some text messages between Jeff Bezos and his girlfriend. And last week, Jeff Bezos came out and said, hey, they've been saying they're going to publish some other stuff. My photos, my nude photos, and also some photos from the woman as well. Um, here are the emails that they have sent me saying maybe I should stop hiring an investigator to look into their connections to Saudi Arabia, and maybe they won't publish my nude photos if I do that. That is blackmail. <laughs> um, so he basically, I, it, he made a very... He took a public stance and he took it on medium of all places, which I think is I know, I loved awesome. It. I, I think that raises some questions. So, I mean, there's a cynical take on that and a less cynical take. Like the cynical take is the things he was saying could not stand up to like journalistic standards uh, in the Washington Post. So he took it to medium. That's the cynical take there. I personally, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. And Dude, just I think that was just his easier. Drama. Yeah, yeah, he wanted his own stuff, just uh, not to be tied well, up to his newspaper. So. Well, I was going to say, I was, I actually kind of preferred that he didn't publish it in the Washington Post because yeah. some of the, because frankly, like he's the owner, sure, but he has maintained that he doesn't have a hand in editorial and by not publishing it or not asking, you know, the, the editors of the paper to publish it, like, you know, they can cover it the way they would cover any other story. So I agree with you totally on that, Christina. Yeah, no, I agree with that too. I'm just saying there's a, there was discussion about that is all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Medium of all play. I think Casey Newton said, this is the, Best day that Medium has ever had. That's true. I'm sure they were happy about it. Um, also, it's like the most Medium, Medium thing ever. Like, you know, Medium has like been known for like, oh, your startup thing. This is where you go to announce your startups like closing or, or raising or all these other things. This is a first, right? This is like literally the richest man in the world being like, yo, so this uh, this news outlet's trying to extort me. Here, here, <laughs> he, he, Here's the situation. You're like, cool. Well, that you're going to get all the all the claps, Jeff. All the claps. All the claps. But so this is also a huge cybersecurity issue because it really brings into light either the the question of how the National Enquirer did obtain those photos, whether it was through somebody just sending them to sending the photos to them, um, or through SMS hacking, or through maybe the the girlfriend forwarded them to someone and that person forwarded them to the National Enquirer. It it just kind of, it, it puts a big spotlight, I think, on information security and how we as tech billionaires can protect <laughs> ourselves. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think in the future, like, and, and again, like, I don't, I'm not in any way implying that he was doing anything untoward. You know, I don't know his marriage, his relationship, and I don't care, frankly, it's not in any way pertinent to this, but I almost like wonder if in the future, like if you're worth over a certain amount of money, maybe you and your partners should just have separate phones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's back up for a second. There was a lot of uh, you know, like even uh, what's her name, Eva, over on EFF. Uh, she was uh, she was on Bloomberg, like talking about the possible cyber security ramifications of this. Like, how did uh, basically, the National Enquirer get uh, obtained these photographs. There was a lot of uh, speculation about and, that. And the text like, messages, yeah. And the text messages. Like, was his laptop hacked? Uh, it seems to be, it hasn't been confirmed by like one of the big papers, like the New York Times or anything, but uh, it's been uh, reported by 
uh, the Daily Beast that basically it was Lauren Sanchez's brother yep. uh, who was a Trump voter that ended up leaking this. Uh, you know, this was his his alleged mistress. Well, it's not alleged at this point, right? Like it's well, it's I mean, confirmed. well, well, yeah. well, girlfriend. I mean, mistress implies yeah. something different, and and yeah, by, by all accounts, like he was separated before sexual partner, sexual partner, girlfriend. I think is just girlfriend. You know, okay, like, yeah. You know, I, I think I think it's fair. Um, yeah, no, her, the brother. Uh, a, that was always my guess, to be totally honest, because he immediately, as soon as the information was was happened, like he went on like Infowars, yep. and he has ties to Roger Stone and some other really great people. So, uh, <laughs> Olin, the greatest people. So that was always kind of my intuition. But the question is, how did he get it? Did she send things to him? Did he break into her iCloud or her phone some other way? Like that's all the unknown. Uh, mm-hmm. There had been some discussion about whether there was, you know, like a state-sponsored hacking or, or other things involved. That, to me, I'm going to be honest, seems a little bit like I'm not to say it's not possible. But that seems a little bit like I don't know that that didn't pass the smell test for me. It's a fair question to have. It is a fair question, I think, especially given the questions that Jeff Bezos has been asking about the National Enquirer and AMI. Totally. It's a fair question, but I also feel like this is an Occam's razor situation where there are way easier ways to get access to things than having to, you know, go down that path. (laughs) Hey, Lauren Sanchez's brother, it's a hacker (laughs) iCloud. For yeah, example. definitely. No, I, I agree with that. I think the overarching question here is it is one about cybersecurity because, you know, when these stories come up, it is you know, he, Jeff Bezos was in a marriage without prenuptial agreement. Um, you know, I in no way condone cheating on your spouse ever. Uh, if you want to be in a polyamorous relationship, like go commit to that. Don't hurt people. Uh, but you know, this had very serious ramifications for his marriage. Uh, so we don't know the timeline of when they separated. So I, I just want to want to like put us on even footing. We don't know the timeline of of the Bezos marriage and when they separated. The, the you fact know what? is, they that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So 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 we they do not have a prenup. That is is fact. Yeah, um And and they also reported. live in a, and they also live in a in a, in a no fault state where it by default is fifty fifty. Those are facts. But we don't know when they separated or anything else. And just the fact that he might have still been wearing a wedding ring in some of the the photos does not in any way indicate that they weren't living apart or that they didn't have another arrangement. So I don't want to sure, make sure. any, you know, just like, cause we don't know the situation. So I don't want to, yeah, that's, you thanks know, for correcting me on that. That's very fair. I do want to discuss though, the, the part that's relevant to us, but it's not Jeff Bezos's marriage, which is uh, cybersecurity ramifications for this. So Christia, I want to ask you, is there any safe way to send a picture of your genitals to someone? No, no, no. there's not. No, unfortunately, there's not. I mean, honestly, the safe way is just not to do it. And 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 I say this not to any way shame anyone for it because everybody does it or, you know, most people have done it at one point or another. Um, I don't, like as a rule, like with my husband, like whatever, like I don't, even if it's just to take a photo uh, in, in underwear or something just to see how I look in something, I, I don't do it because I don't trust that there's any way. Because here's the problem, right? And and I can say this, Simone, I don't know about but you and your friends, Bri, I don't know about you and your friends, but my friends send me like text screenshots of their text messages and their photos and stuff from people that they are in relationships with. 
Yep, I see that. that That's a very common thing. It's yep. a very common thing. Yep. Screenshots are happening. So it's not just a matter of, oh, use Signal. Oh, use WhatsApp. Oh, use Telegram. Oh, use iMessage because it's secure. It has nothing to do with that. There is what's called an analog hole. And in this case, it's a screenshot app where you can take screenshots of things and send them out. Now, that can be harder to verify than if you have direct access to files, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't change the fact that, you know, that's a frequent thing that happens is that people will share those things. So from my opinion, no, there's not any secure way to do that, period. Um, Unless you can have an understanding amongst both parties that you were never sharing anything ever. And even then, like, that's, you know, I I don't know. I I feel like there's not a way. I have been in plenty of relationships with people and thought it was, you know, going to last forever. And it doesn't. Like, stuff Mm -hmm. happens. You can't, you can't know. Like, I mean, there's just no safe way to do it. And I was very surprised to see the EFF go on Bloomberg and advocate apps like, a, of all things, WhatsApp. I was really surprised to see, uh, you know, Eva, who I really respect, uh, to see her kind of advocating that app on there. Like, she does go and say, you're only as strong as your weakest link. But, you know, the truth is, like you said, you can screenshot stuff on top of that. Uh, even for something like Snapchat, where it's going to eventually time out and disappear, it just there's just no mm-hmm. safe way to do it. End of story. No, what she mentioned yeah. an app that deleted photos off someone else's phone, and I was that confused me because I did not think that that was a possible thing. If you have a certain app that's going to a certain place, like maybe that app can do it, but it still doesn't. It doesn't mitigate the screenshot problem, which you mentioned. Because that's ultimately like, right, I was going to say this, the the, the analog hole is the ultimate thing that you're fighting with, right? Like you can, you can use apps where you're sending secure messaging, where you are only able to do certain things. Now, here's one thing I don't know. I don't know if within Android or iOS, where if you have certain enterprise uh, privileges and like certificates locked down, where you can disable the function of taking a screenshot. That I'm not sure. If that were possible, and I and again, I think that would require like an enterprise security certificate where you would have to have some sort of like device management profile on your phone, something like Intune or or uh, you know like uh, uh, BlackBerry uh, has something, and there there uh, you know are other solutions too that manages your phone, where like you're managing a large group of phones, you may be able to disable certain features in either certain apps or just all up on the phone and say, you're not able to do this. And you may be able to disable taking a screenshot. So in certain corporate and government situations, I would imagine government would be your most likely scenario where you have really locked down devices. It may be impossible to take a screenshot on the phone. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. you can still take For an government analog device, picture. I have to say, all of that would be subpoenaable, right? Like, especially if you're an electric elected official. Well, yeah, so, but, well, but, but, yeah. but I'm talking about, but, but I'm not talking about pics. I'm talking about like you are taking photographs of something and you might have, um, or, or you just might have confidential, like highly secure information on your device. And as a security protocol with, 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 you know, various MIPS things and whatnot, like it might state that this can't be transmitted, you know? And so obviously things could be subpoenaed if it exists in place, but that you're disabling, like it's very common for um, government phones to have the camera disabled, right? So yep. I could see them having the screenshot functionality disabled if that's a possibility. And I don't know if it is. On Android, I'm sure it is. On iOS, I'm not sure. The thing with that would be, obviously there still is an analog hole. You could take an actual photograph or use another phone to take a picture. But the bigger thing is, even if that's an option, that's going to be an option only for people who are on highly managed devices. So for regular people, 
you know, that's not a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Mom, what was your take on this? Like, you write, you write erotic stuff. Like, I mean, <laughs> how do how do you kind of? I mean, I don't know. The, okay, just, so the prevailing yeah. take uh, among the romance community has been that the National Enquirer really needs to work on its erotic yes. language with regards <laughs> to it was descriptions really of postures and male genitalia and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> my, I, I think the other, like, cultural question that this raises is where does this move us in the conversation about nudes? Because I think there's an idea that... Mm-hmm. This this keeps happening to people. It keeps happening to people. And in this case, I think for one of the first times, the person who sent the nudes is not being blamed for being careless. And part of that yep. is because he is a billionaire and a white man. Um, but so, so is this a moment that is going to kind of shift the conversation to maybe it's the person who is stealing the photos that is bad? And maybe we should yeah. acknowledge that everyone... Does this sort of thing. Pretty much almost anyone could have been in this situation. Not almost anyone could have been Jeff Bezos and been like, if you do what I want, post my news. I don't care. I'm Jeff Bezos. Which is actually why, like, I want to give him a lot of credit. Because, uh, like, here's the thing. once in my life, I do want to give Jeff Bezos credit. Uh, No, no, totally. Because here's the thing. Look, he literally has nothing to lose. And he is one of a very few number of privileged people where they can't hurt him. And he has so much money and so much power. It literally, his board is not, he's not going to get fired for this. Nothing is going to happen to him business wise. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever happens with the legality parts of his marriage was going to happen anyway. Like it, it's embarrassing, but he's not going to be hurt by this. He's one of the only people in the world who could actually stand up this way. And he did. But by doing that, I think it does two things. One, it actually, you know, potentially because, uh, you know, uh, uh, AMI was uh, there. Uh, David Pecker was oh. was uh, on. Um, you know, he'd give, been given immunity, and depending on what happens, he could have you know blown his immunity. So there are some things there. B. I'm hoping that this might do something to destigmatize the fact that people do send news to one another, and and we're so puritanical, especially in the United States, about these sorts of things. And it doesn't matter when celebrities get hacked; the reaction tends to be not oh, how terrible, but, well, they shouldn't have been taking those photos anyway. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what people do? And we can say, like, I can say I personally won't. And the only reason I won't isn't because I'm better than anyone else, but because I'm freaking paranoid. It has nothing to do with anything else. I'm freaking paranoid. It has nothing to do with anything else. And so I'm hoping that maybe with someone of his stature being public about this and it being treated the way it is, we might be able to, I'm probably being overly optimistic, but, like, maybe it can help reduce the stigma so that in the future when this happens or when this happens to regular people and regular people try to blackmail, you know, and do revenge porn and things like that, the idea of of being like, you know what, I'm going to put you on blast rather than cowering in fear. And maybe, you know, we can get to a place where we're not going to be as judgmental because people send private photos and, and mm-hmm. you know, to one another. Because yeah. that's... I don't want to be naive. I'm sure that's not going to be an overnight thing, especially when it (laughs) comes to women and women in power. Um, But I do. I think this was a pretty baller move on his part, to be perfectly honest. I like it's, And I I think it was Casey Newton again who brought this up. Um, The tone that he took in the post was pitch perfect. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was it was so it wasn't impartial, but it was very dry and it was very 
unembarrassed and annoyed but amused and also like very much you could just read that he he feels he has all the cards there um yeah so i i think in terms of in terms of like the writing of the post it was perfect could not ask for better peak 2019 political technology intersection (laughs) drama like this is nuts this this, can we talk about how nuts this is for a second you guys (laughs) yeah literally the richest man in the world is going head to head with like the premier tabloid you know that everybody the tabloid arm of the united states government okay fair yeah that's not that's not really wrong all right yep (laughs) this episode of rocket is brought to you by smile and our friends text expander wait the other way around text expander and our friends at smile (laughs) (laughs) copy and paste is not a good way to keep track of the things that you type again and again and again text expander makes you more productive by taking care of all those words and phrases for you store frequently used phrases into snippets and they will expand into with a short abbreviation as you type Text Expander works in all of your apps so that you can use it everywhere. It works in Apple's Pages. It works in Microsoft Word and Excel. It works in Adobe Illustrator and InDesign. And it works in more things. Find out more. So all of your snippets are basically anywhere that you would want to use them on whatever device you have because Text Expander instantly updates new and edited snippets between your Mac, your iPhone, your iPad, and your Windows PC. That's all of them, folks. So you can spend less time typing and more time doing what you really want, which is pressing send and getting that thing out of there. You can even join free snippet groups for job recruiters, for freelancers, airport codes. Oh my God, yes. Brand names and more on the Text Expander website. And you don't have to work alone. Text Expander for Teams lets you manage and share snippets, whether that's with your coworkers or an entire company. You, my friends, can go to textexpander.com slash podcast right now for 20% off your first year. That is, again, textexpander.com slash podcast to get 20% off your first year with Text Expander. Save your time, save your mind with Text Expander. Thank you so much, friends, for your support of this show and all of Relay FM. I have a real-world Text Expander story because I literally used it just yesterday while I was talking in Australia, and I've actually been using it all tour, so... What I do is I um, do demos where I create virtual machines and I use uh, the command line. And rather than having to enter in all of uh, my, you know, commands one at a time, instead what I'm able to do is just uh, type in a couple of word, a couple of letters, and all of the commands instantly appear. I even have one for an SSH key that I have to do for a demo that I do every talk and – Instead of having to type in the full SSH key or have it somewhere, I just have it stored as a snippet. And so I just type in uh, a couple of uh, letters and, and it uh, appears instantly. So very, is- very useful for lots of things. And so legit, not being paid to say this, uh, I used it yesterday. I use it at work every day, as I've said before. Huge fan. Thank you, Text Expander. Because without it, having to enter in those, having to remember those commands every single time I do the, the And talk, you're like during the- a pre- presentation, too. That would be a pain. 
totally. You don't want to get something you, wrong. Like, That's a perfect your use case. Sixty-four digit like SSH. Case. Like she that would, would. Awesome. but I she would, should. But I'd rather not. To. And that's why Text Expander exists. Thank you, Text Expander, for making Christina's life easier. <laughs> oh. God. Well, uh, you might have heard that Apple. Uh, they have. They are starting a paid tier of the Apple News service and allegedly allegedly allegedly, uh and they are allegedly in talks uh with organizations like the wall street journal and the new york times uh to discuss like how that would work and what the wall street journal and verge have reported is that the proposal for the revenue split with the paid tier of apple news would be a 50 50 revenue share with publishers and Apple. <laughs> Christina laughs. So the, the paid tier is essentially something that would be Netflix-esque where publishers would opt into it and then the users would pay a monthly fee for complete access to all of those publishers. Um, and then the publishers would be paid from the the pot, the pot of money, split 50-50 with Apple, and then the rest of it would be kind of doled out based on engagement with articles. Um, which sounds... Horrible in terms of <laughs> revenue. Great in terms of a service that uh, I would be cool with having, uh, but horrible, horrible as a person who works in media. Simone, oh come boy. on, be fair. Be fair. Apple just had a very difficult financial quarter. Can't media bail them out of this hole? Come on, Simone. You're right. We should be less selfish. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. A- a- Apple had its second highest revenue quarter uh, you know, in history, but didn't meet expectations. So, so let's let's let media bail Apple out. Oh my God! Like, uh, I actually agree with John Gruber. I feel like that framing about why people are like, oh, well, they're putting the squeeze on this because iPhones aren't selling well. It's like, yeah, there's a big, a big push to services, but they're putting the squeeze because, in my opinion, they're misreading the room and they think they can charge this much and that publishers will line up. Yep. Like a couple years ago, I think they could have. I don't think they could have gotten away with it, but they might have had more people willing to bite because this is back when publishers were still doing things like giving Facebook and Google all their stuff for free and thinking like, oh, Facebook's never going to change their algo. They're going to love us forever. And then like, you know, they didn't. And then they're like, oh, but, you know, they promised us all this money for Facebook Live. And then, you know, that went mm-hmm. away. And then they're like, oh, but these watch shows are going to be awesome. And then, you know, they weren't. I really so, hope that publishers, like, having gone through the whole Facebook thing, which yeah, is I hope exactly that like, as you no. described it, I, I hope that we have all learned our lesson that there is no <laughs> such thing as a, a platform that will be, you know, as perfect as the ones that we can build because the, those platforms are not invested in no. making sure that news succeeds. They're invested in well, their own goals. And, and well, then and beyond that, and this is what adds insult to injury, because you could admit, you could make an argument. I still think 50 percent is ridiculous, but you could make an argument that you could give a really high percentage if it, for these roll ups, you're getting analytic information. So you're you're getting information about the person who is a subscriber. You're getting information about their, their age, demographic location, what types of articles they read, et cetera, because those are useful. How Apple works, and they've done this since like the newsstand days, and this is one of the reasons why so many companies left newsstand. Um, to the point that Apple like dropped it as a standalone app, is that Apple won't give that that information, which is right. great for end users. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also a pain in the butt because now I have to call Condé Nast every time I want to link my Apple subscription to my New Yorker email account because they don't see each other because the systems are separate. So like it's great for the privacy. It's bad that like when 
Vanity Fair and access the paywall, it was literally cheaper and easier for me to just buy another subscription to Vanity Fair, even though I still had my Apple News subscription, rather than wait Ugh. on hold and go through the process because my time is worth more than $20. Um, yeah. But a lot of people's aren't. So, you know, Apple won't even give the information. So even if you're trying to say, oh, even if you're trying to look at this, like to try to give Apple the benefit of the doubt, this is one of those cases where I kind of can't because they're not even giving the publishers data, which in fairness, like is not wrong data for them to collect, right? Like I I, I get people are, are, you know, like protective of their privacy, but if you're signing up for like the New York Times or the Washington Post or any other thing, it's fair game. It's same as Netflix or anything else. Like it's fair game for them to get certain information about you. Like that's just how it works. And so not to have that, to lose 50% of your revenue and then have a service that is in many ways going to be competing against your standalone products. I mean, what? Yeah. And then here's the worst part. This product that they're relaunching was something they acquired. They they owned, they bought an app called Texture, which had previously started as another name. So it's gone through a couple of iterations. And the whole idea was that you would get a bunch of magazine subscriptions for one monthly fee. It didn't have everything, but it had a lot. And I guess this idea is to take that and then add some newspapers into it. But Texture, if I remember correctly, and I, I don't remember the exact split, but I did know it at one time, was certainly not a 50-50 split. It was certainly much more in favor of the publishers. And also pretty sure they they shared analytic information. So, you know, you have people like like Connie Nass and Hurst were both part of Texture who I can understand would probably be like, wait, we we had this thing. We saw how many <laughs> people came through or didn't come through. Obviously, if it's built into Apple News, which is a huge driver of traffic and that's a known thing, then that's cool. But should we really be giving up all of this? Like what's 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 in it for us? Like I you know, I have to say, as someone who like I'm, I'm counting all my subscriptions, so Wall Street Journal that's thirty dollars a month. Uh, you know, so Washington Post that's what it's like twelve or something. Yeah, New York Times that's like what it's twenty dollars for that. Uh, Wired is what twenty dollars a year. Um, you know, Boston Globe. I know most people aren't going to have to subscribe to that, but I mean, all of that that's. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. And if I can, you know, I realize WSJ probably isn't going to be included in that. But, you know, like there's no way the New York Times isn't going to lose money if they went in with this totally. uh, subscription. Yeah. And because I don't see anyone who subscribes to the Times that isn't also going to have like an Apple device, right? Like I mean, well, many of us. I, many, many of them. I, but that, that's a total it's overstatement. A large part of the, it's a large part of the market, certainly. Uh, it, definitely. And, I mean, I, I, th- I think you could say, I mean, the Times also has, you know, the Crossword app, which is separate, the Cooking app, which is separate. They yep. also have, um, you know, there are plenty of people who do want home delivery or whatever, Um, I actually have, I mean, I'm not into that, but I do know that that is still part of their business. I personally have a deal with the times that they did it weirdly. They, they, it was like not an, it was not a well-known promo, but they did a thing where you could subscribe through the app and it was like $120 a year for full digital access to the times. And so I jumped on that because that was significantly cheaper than any offering they have. And I've been grandfathered into that for like three years. So you know, that's, but so yeah, cause like $12 a month, I'm like done, like wow, done. That's really great. But, but I, I, and I, you know, and look, and 
everybody's like, oh, you hid this. No, I wrote about it. I I, I even had to ask the Times for comment about like, is this going to be a new strategy? And they were like, we have no comment at this time. I was like, you're okay, cool. <laughs> uh, but but um, yeah, but you're right. Like I I'm somebody who I subscribe to a ton of magazines, a ton. I also subscribe to the Journal to. Uh, the Times, um, uh, the information. There are you know a number of things that probably wouldn't be included, but I do subscribe to those things. But certainly on magazines, if all the Condé stuff was there, if some of the Hearst stuff was there, I would be very happy to get rid of the magazines that I subscribe to through iTunes um, to just get it through Apple News, right? But yeah. um, I, I, but at the same time, I do also recognize that that you and I, Brie, are huge outliers insofar that we subscribe not just to one service, but to many. Most yeah. people don't, if they subscribe to any newspaper, it's one, they don't do several. So the historical argument around these bundles is that you will make up in volume um, for the, you know, the revenue that you could potentially lose by people who are already subscribers going, you know, to the cheaper plan. The 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 trick on this is, is that if you are somebody who has an existing brand like the Journal, like the New York Times, like the Washington Post, I don't necessarily think that I think you have the volume has to be so huge that if you're talking about a 50% revenue cut, there's no way the math ever works. If you're a niche publication, if you're like a local place or you know a small magazine or, or or a local paper, you might be able to make that argument where you're saying, look, this platform is much broader than what we have. Their app is going to be better than ours. We won't have to maintain other things. This can, you know, we can count on if we can get 50 or 100% more, you know, users than even with this revenue, you know, split, this can work for us. But I feel like it only works for niche places. Anything that has its own reputation and maintains its own apps and its own systems. And frankly, I was also having to support other platforms because Apple's not the only one out there. That also is another really important point, I think, that uh, The Verge write-up I read brought up, which is that companies that do opt into this aren't just going to be popping their articles on Apple News, they will have to hire people to manage this integration, to deal with yep. customer service, et cetera. So in a time when there are, you know, you're seeing layoffs at Vice, you're seeing layoffs at BuzzFeed, um, it it seems it's not a good look it, because that's what happened. It's, again, the same thing that happened with Facebook is that people were hired to do Facebook video. Uh, people have been hired to, like, convert things or, like, to, to handle basically Facebook stuff. And that's those jobs are no longer as necessary as they were two, three years ago. So I don't think it's sustainable. I also think like uh, there's, I mean, there's the, is this good for, uh, for consumers argument, but there's the, the thing that I'm really interested in here is clickbait. Yeah, one of the things that I find really good about subscribing, especially to Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post, like their iPad app is excellent. It's Mm -hmm. unbelievably good. Really good. Is rather than getting my news from seeing what people are sharing on Twitter, which tends to be like, you know, the Jeff Bezos thing, right? Which is a fun (laughs) story. It's not as critical to a democracy. And one of the things I like about subscribing to a newspaper is you pick it up and you read through all the main stories. It's stuff you would never click on, but it's stuff that makes you a better informed human being, right? And mm. what worries me about this particular uh, profit model is it's going to split revenue depending on time engaged with different, uh, you know, with different things. So it's going to trend more towards the sensational stories, the clickbaity stories. That's so this a very doesn't good even. Point. 
yeah, it doesn't even encourage people financially to go out and do better quality journalism. Like we're right back at the sensational model. Yeah. Any final thoughts on this? There's a longer discussion to be had about the uh, the game uh, subscription model that they are talking about. I think this has the potential to be much fairer to developers. And I think it has, uh, the thing I'm most interested about it is in-app purchases have won out in the app store. There is no model uh, for you to ship a game with that's really going to work out well for 99% of people that isn't in-app purchases. And what excites me about this is it uh, could potentially lead to a game ecosystem on the app store where it's more about game design again rather than purchases. So uh, I'm far more interested in this, but we don't really have to talk about about. that. uh, Yeah, I'd love to talk about that once once we get more details if that happens. Because I'm with you. I feel like that's actually a good thing. Whereas I look at this news thing that they're reporting reportedly having an event about in March. And and just hearing the economics, I'm just like, eh. you know, can you not like you know what else <laughs> you can look that at much? and think that that's a good idea? What? Fracture. Woohoo! <laughs> Fracture is the company that can take your favorite images and print them directly onto glass for you to display in your home. And they make the perfect, thoughtful gift. Fractures are handmade in Gainesville, Florida from U.S. sourced materials, and their sleek, frameless design goes with any decor. Finding frames is actually the low-key slash high-key worst part of decorating, putting things on your walls. Frames are evil. Ordering is super simple, and fractures come ready to display straight out of the box. They even include the wall hanger, baby! That's how fuss-free the fracture experience is is and fracture is a green company arbor operating arborating arborating because of trees operating a carbon neutral factory which they lovingly refer to as a factory christina we recently had an experience with fracture where we printed out a picture for brianna Wu. oh we did i'm looking at it right now it was a great experience frameless design Yes, it is. Does it's it gorgeous. Go with your decor. It does. It's right next to my lightsaber, and it's hung right off the wall <laughs> in my office. So, Christina, did you did you enjoy your process of placing the fracture order? I did actually. So it was fun because we made this Photoshop, um, you know, a graphic for for Brie and um, for her 2020 campaign, and uh, uh, we went back and forth on comps on the the color of the gradient quite a few times, and I had to figure out what font she used and and do some other stuff. And it was anyway, it took longer than you would have thought, Brie. But anyway, <laughs> and then um, we signed it. Yeah, and no, then we signed the, it. We choosing the color it. scheme was the hardest part. It was. But um, but no, but once placing the order, it's great because you just upload your photo, you get to pick what size you want. It'll tell you if your image is too small or, um, you know, compressed to say, hey, you know, you might need something higher quality than this, uh, which let me know to go back into Photoshop and export at a higher resolution. Um, and uh, you get to kind of see what it'll look like on your wall, pick your size, and then, you know, they ship it out uh, and, and we got it and it was it was great. So yeah, it's a very, very good experience and would highly recommend it to to anyone and we've definitely we've had listeners who have uh made fractures of, of our logo which we appreciate and uh the fracture is awesome you can also Love just them. print out your family photos or something print out totally. all those vacation photos or only print rockets logo 
Fracture prints are a great addition to any home, and they really do make amazing gifts for family and friends and podcast co-hosts. So if you have any photos hidden away on your devices, get them out there. Go to FractureMe.com rocket to get started and see how sleek those fractures look. And you'll also get 15% off your first order. That is FractureMe.com rocket. Open that up now and get 15% off. Thank you so much, Fracture, for your support of Rocket and Relay FM. Hey, it's dessert time. We're old. Yeah, we We're are old. old. No, specifically, We're no, old. you guys we are old. old enough to appreciate a classic work. I cannot believe this has been twenty years. I mean, look, <laughs> look, the U.S. release is like six months away, so I'm, I'm, I'm only saving myself on that. But it's been twenty years. Talk, talk to us about this, Bree. Your favorite video game of all time. Well, I wouldn't say it's my favorite video game of all time. It's okay, your really favorite Final there. Fantasy of all time. I, I, so, okay. Uh, this week, uh, Final Fantasy VIII celebrated its uh, 20th anniversary. And in, in Japan. You, in, in Japan. Japan, it's U.S. release. It's coming up. But still, this is, this is it's, uh, it's somewhat of a controversial Final Fantasy. Uh, people that really love Final Fantasy, they often fi- cite Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy IV. Final Fantasy VII gets a lot of love, which I think is just completely overblown. <laughs> um, Final Fantasy VIII, I want to kind of tell all of you why I love this Final Fantasy. Um, this was the first game where all of them were kind of this this larger adult renaissance style like style you know like for final fantasy 7 it kept switching between these like chibi like tiny models uh for you walking around exploring the map and then you would like find yourself it's like the the more cloud looking dude in the cutscenes, and then you'd have a completely different looking cloud in like the the full motion video that they rendered for this game it was kind of a, a consistent art style all the way across of it and what I really, really loved about this is this is a, it's a love story. It's a Final Fantasy where they sat down and they said, uh, the heart of this is going to be like Squall looking for uh, Renoa. And um, it's, it's one of these games, like it is just really, really hated by the fans for some legitimate reasons. But I absolutely love this game. I mean, how do you feel about it, Christina? I love the game too. And um, I remember, you know, what was so cutting edge. I mean, you obviously had good cutscenes in Final Fantasy VII. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many people like it is that it was making that 16 to 32 bit era. And one of the big things you had going to CD and having all that space and was the ability to have these cutscenes. But the the cutscenes in Final Fantasy VIII, like, are just beyond the pale. And like the opening one is the one I always remember because we used to play that trailer. Um, at my very first job at the Electronics Boutique, which is now GameStop. Um, and so when <laughs> I was, so when I was, days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when I was, when I was 16 and I was, you know, um, at work and we would play, we'd have like video reels of, of game trailers and other things. And that one with the music and the, and just the other stuff was just so like impressive and exciting. And then the game was really good. You know, I liked the mechanics. I liked the storyline um, it's been a really long time since I played it, but part of me kind of feels like it was a little bit like a cross between X-Men and Harry Potter in terms of, you know, you're at like this, this school, right? <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> yeah. 
I could. I I almost want to like get Simone to like give me a minute to try to explain the plot because I've played it so many times at this point. It's completely incomprehensible. I read a, a tweet from say. Ashley. So this is one yep. of. I think this is Ashley's favorite Final Fantasy game, actually. And yep. she Ashley just, works with the you know, Polygon. Yes, by the way, Ashley just so Polygon social know. media yep. manager. Uh, she described it as a bunch of kids at a military school, and they find out that the principal of the school wants them to kill his wife. And yep. then there's a monster in the basement who is funding the school. Okay. So that's yeah. all, that's all correct. Yep. That's, that's as, okay. It starts off with, when you get really ridiculous with this Please game, do. you find out that all the characters grew up in an orphanage, only they've all forgot about it. And at the orphanage, yeah. Adia, the villainess, and uh, the headmaster of the school were their matrons and their their overseers. And then this sorceress came back from the future and took over the headmaster's wife. And then <sighs> they started up the white seeds to like sail ships around the world. And then there's a whole nother nation in the future, oh. like no, the past with Laguna, and then they all start hallucinating and think that they're these other people in this other nation, and then eventually they meet, and then there's a time compression, and then Squall goes through this entire time compression to another like reality well, and finds Renoa. I didn't the even music's know really about good. That. It's funny. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm remembering all this now, and yeah, it's bananas, but I still stand by my, it's kind of like Harry Potter and X-Men, but, you know, with it's an great. evil twist. It's, it's really great. good. That's nuts. So you saw the you saw the opening movie. They were Simone. it was genuinely beautiful. Um, yes. and I say that as a, a person who I, like the the graphics that I I'm used to because I'm of a slightly younger age are mm-hmm. very different than that. Um, they are leagues beyond I think what Final Fantasy VII looked like, even in the 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 cutscenes in that game, uh, which is oh, the oldest Final Fantasy game that I've played. Uh, it was really, really gorgeous. And the Brianna, you sent me a cutscene of the evil sorceress, Idea. Idea. She's not evil, but she's okay. not evil. She's sort of. She's evil at that point because she's uh, she's like brainwashed. Uh, yeah, brainwashed and controlled by Ultimate. She looks awesome. She's amazing. She's the best character in all of Final Fantasy. And I want to be love her. her. I do too. I love her. She's amazing. What, what What do you think attracted you to this game about the the what do you think about the love story made it feel special to you? Because I think that that's something that's very difficult to do. It's a difficult story to tell, to like make you empathize with both characters and want them to be together rather than just having it be a relationship that you kind of accept because it's there. Well, I always liked, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Christian, but I always loved Final Fantasy because it was a series that didn't leave women as an afterthought or the girlfriend Mm -hmm. to get rescued. Like women have always been included in the stories. Uh, And that was, you know, it was true for Final Fantasy four and six and seven to a lesser extent, but it's really, really, really true for eight. Like Renoa is a really well characterized like love interest and she's yeah. she's like an idealistic like resistance fighter and she's trying to find her own way in the world and like 
she does kind of have this manic pixie love interest with Squall, yeah. but but it's genuine. She feels like it's a genuine. person. Mm-hmm. And then Squall was a person. He is very much like your moody, uh, like young teenage boy trying to figure out who he is. And, and it's so just, hot. it feels, and like, he's hot. He's hot. He's hot. He's so yeah. hot. Which, look, I was 16 when this game came out. So, like, this was all up in my, my ish, you know? And, like... <laughs> If I'm going to ask, like, what drew me to it, you're right. Yeah, there's the, the manic pixie dream, you know, thing. But that's in almost every media and whatever. Um, that's even in, like, female-driven media. Like, it's just, it's a trope for a reason. Sure. But, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I with you. I, yeah, they felt kind of real. And it, and it felt, I don't know, I liked the youth aspect that especially it felt, even though it takes place in the future, obviously, like, that it felt grounded in a reality that the other Final Fantasy games didn't. Yeah. 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 Up to that point. So there has been there have been so many remakes and remasters of every single Final Fantasy game around this one. Um, have you, you? We've talked before about the the rumor that they lost the source code for this, right? Or was that uh, on the Polygon show? I don't think I think I've that was ever on the Polygon show because yeah. I haven't heard that, but that would make that. sense because yeah. I've always been curious why they slept on this because it was really interesting, right? Because this was the last Final Fantasy game that came out before they did the movie, which you know was beautiful but terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and then you know it was you know I think that the next Final Fantasy game was for PS2, so it's been weird that they have done the remakes. For, oh, tactics, well, I guess. Except Sorry. for well, Final Fantasy IX as well. So yeah, but yeah, nine well, is coming um, to the Switch. They know. That's what I'm saying. Like everything, yeah, like like every everything has come out. Like we've seen all of them except for eight. So that's a good conspiracy theory. Like, did they lose the source code? Because if they did, then that kind of makes sense why it's hard for them to remaster stuff, but also just port it, like whatever. Um, but yeah, I, it's always interesting to me that this game gets slept on. Like everybody goes, you know, um, you know, ape ish for for six, which is fair, and and loves seven, and I think that's just because that was the one that made it mainstream. And, you know, and, and and nine and ten have their, you know, have their adherence and whatnot. But like eight, like gets totally slept on. And it's interesting. I, well, let's there is fair criticism of this game system. So um, one of the things I think that's really interesting playing eight today is if you play a game like Destiny or like you and I playing uh, Assassin's Creed, Simone, mm-hmm. these are games that put a ton of grinding into it and require you to grind. Like they're trying to keep you playing as long as possible. Final Fantasy VIII, when they designed it, the gameplay systems really punish you in a lot of ways for grinding hmm. because monsters level along with you. The way that you get powerful in substantial bursts isn't upping your level. It's drawing magic from creatures, and then your magic junctions to your stats, which you get from your guardian forces. And you get guardian forces by going through the plot or playing the triple track card game, uh, which is a very universally praised feature of this. That is to say, if you're playing Final Fantasy VIII, you're really punished if every time you find a new enemy with one of the probably 99 spells in the game, if you don't sit there and draw repeatedly with them. And you end up having to force them to go to sleep, and then you're just drawing 99 spells to get the max stat you can with all three of your characters. That's a very flawed game design system. The other thing is when you use summons, 
it rewards you for casting the same summon with the character repeatedly. I've probably <laughs> seen the Shiva summon probably several thousand times in my life. So uh, you, those are poor gameplay decisions. But at the same time, there were a lot of gameplay decisions here that were very forward-thinking. Not having you grind, not having mm-hmm. you buy new weapons. Like You have to do special things to get new weapons and armor. Um, you know, the Guardian Force system, uh, Triple Triad. Like Every time you walk through town, you don't just talk to people, you try to play a card game with them. And the rules change through the whole game. So it's like one of these things where it's a brilliant game design and it's a flawed game design at the same time. I feel like there are at least the games that are at least that flawed that still have cult status. And I am seeing a lot of people kind of speak up, like in response to the piece that Ashley wrote for Polygon today. There are a lot of people in the comments going, you know what? I really liked this Final Fantasy game. So I feel like the 20th anniversary, maybe enough time has passed that people have kind of digested it and thought, you know, maybe this is, this was unappreciated for its time. I think so. I think so. I agree. Can we say a word or two about Russian Doll before we go? Can we actually say a word about how this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Water Cooler (laughs) Trivia? Yes, we can. Can we agree? Good. Then I will. The folk at Water Cooler Trivia are here to spruce up life at the office. They send weekly quizzes by email to you and your colleagues to spark some good-spirited competition, which which sounds to me like uh, words directed at me personally. To spark some good-spirited competition, Simone de Rochefort, calm down. You don't need to beat everyone at trivia. You take it too seriously <laughs> all the time. It's super quick to set up, so in no time at all, you'll be discovering your coworkers' secret knowledge. And more importantly, showing off your own knowledge. And by <laughs> your own, I mean my knowledge. Me, Simone de Rochefort. <laughs> I freaking love knowledge. trivia. Okay, here's how it works. First, you create a group and choose your quiz categories and difficulty level. Then you'll get a custom link to share with your colleagues so that they can sign up. Anyone who signs up will get a quiz, will have a quiz in their inbox every Monday. And you'll all get weekly results in your inbox. (laughs) So things might get competitive. Water Cooler Trivia is brightening Mondays for companies all over the world. From international consulting firms to tiny tech startups and national retailers. You can create a group for your team today, all with a free trial and no credit card required. Okay, I have I have I have trivia questions, and okay. I I I'm I I'm only supposed to do one of them. Okay. 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 So. <laughs> that was me, and I'm. Okay, sorry. No, it was so good. <laughs> I blew like, house. is there a musical aspect to this? Oh, my goodness. No, there's not. That was just, I opened the wrong app on my phone. Sorry. That got me sorry. I thought you were playing trivia music for me. I thought you did it on purpose. <laughs> God, I mean, I okay, can add whatever. the music back. Yes. The Blue House serves as the executive office and residence of the head of state in what Asian country? Huh. Sorry, read that again. The Blue House serves as the executive office and residence of the head of state in what Asian country? South Korea? Yes. Ten points to Christina Warren. Of course, I'm not going to beat Christina Warren at this. (laughs) Well, we would adjust the difficulty level then. Um, Maybe make it super, super hard so that none of us could do it. Yes. 
you can head to watercoolertrivia.com slash rockets for a two-month free trial. So again, quizzes every Monday. That's eight weeks of totally free office fun. Watercoolertrivia.com slash rockets right now. Thank you so much, Water Cooler Trivia, for your support of Rocket and Relay FM. I'm signing us. I'm signing us up for a subscription to this. By the way, yeah. Okay, I was going to ask you who, which of us is going <laughs> to set up the Rocket Group. Obviously, thank yeah, you. On it. Can we on it? Can we do that with our listeners? Or is that because we don't have their emails? Okay, so it could just be us, and then we can we can talk. <laughs> well, we'll about start it. it out with us, and if we get attention, maybe we create a mailing list and yeah. we can bring other people in, and then we I can talk it. about it on the show next week when we I love totally. It. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Anyway, so yes, Russian Doll, really quickly. Great oh, freaking show. So good. So good. Yeah, I've only seen the first two episodes, but it's so good. Oh, Christina. Christina. Oh. You guys, I've been traveling. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, it's guilt. okay. We're excited we're, for we you. We're not mad. We're happy. You. Yeah, like you. And the it, thing about Russian Doll is that, yeah. frankly, the first two episodes, I, I found them kind of underwhelming, or at least I felt that the second one mirrored the first one too closely. Yeah. But... It just gets better. So let's give listeners just a little bit of background on this, just in case you haven't uh, Good seen idea. this. So Russian Doll, it's a Netflix show. It's, uh, it's, uh, it was like developed by one of the main actresses on Orange is the New Black. What's her New name? Black. Uh, Natasha, Natasha Leone. Natasha Leone. Natasha Leone. Natasha Leone. She stars in this. It's basically Groundhog Day. Uh, where this woman is at a party for her 36th birthday and she finds herself kind of continually dying. And Too real. <laughs> she, and she's trying to figure out how this happens. Um, and the reason this show is really, really good is the writing for it is just unbelievably smart. It's ultimately a show about trauma, but it's not really preachy. Like it's it's deep, but it's fun at the same time. Does that make sense? Like, how do you totally. feel about it, Simone? Yeah, it has it has humor that is like it. It has both dark humor and just a really kind of lovely core to it that you you don't often see those two things married together. Usually, things are like kind of dark and cynical, or they're just very lovely. But this one is it's a wonderful wonderful philosophical mix of those two things and i just thought it was super smart and weird and occasionally terrifying and occasionally touching and also hilarious and i i did not you know have any sense of where it was going as i was watching it and i i loved where i ended up I don't want to spoil this for listeners, so I, it's I, I want to talk about it in just general terms, but it's so rare that like you finish a Netflix series and it's like you're never going to watch that again. I'm never going to watch the Bodyguard again. <laughs> I'm just not. I'm never going to watch the the uh, you know, the murder show that I just watched. Yeah. I'm not going to watch that again. As soon as Russian Doll was over. I literally just started it over and started watching it again because it is it is that good. Every one of the it's eight episodes, eight nine episodes is only thirty minutes long, so it's a very short series. Like you can, it's like two movies, so you can you can get through this really quickly. But um, I also think it's really notable. I didn't notice this until the show is over because it doesn't have like an overly feminist vibe. But all the writers on the show are women. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was like, oh, well, this shows because like all the women on the show are like treated with respect by the characters. Mm-hmm. So yeah. 
I don't know. It's a fantastic show. I can't wait for you okay. to watch more of it, Christina. Yeah. So, so I have a like a bunch of time on airplanes on Sunday. So I will do that then. I will download it in, in advance and do that then. Excellent. What else awesome. are you doing this week? Well, I just finished speaking at Microsoft Ignite, the tour, and uh, that was great in Sydney. And um, yeah, I'm in the future. We're going to have a, a Windows Insider event from 5 to 7 p.m. Um, on uh, uh, Saturday um, in Australia and Sydney at the Sydney uh, Microsoft Store. So if you want to come, please do. We'll also have events earlier in the day for uh, for kids uh, and families, but we're going to have like a Windows Insider meetup um, also with some uh, people like me from the Azure team from 5 to 7 and um, then I'm going home, and I'm going to be home for the first time in forever, and I'll Yay. be home for like two weeks. So that's exciting. Oh my goodness! I'm I'm excited for you to be home. Are you really only going to be home for two weeks? Let me check when my next flight is. Oh my god! Um, so my next trip, yeah, yeah, it, it's about that. Um, eh, three, I guess. So I'm going to get home, and then my next trip is Sunday, March seventeenth. So like three oh weeks. Oh my gosh, darling, Bree, what are you doing? Uh, we're recording uh, commercials all day tomorrow. I'm doing events all weekend. And then, guys, I have nine days of very hard, very difficult executive time scheduled <laughs> in Florida. Yeah, we're going to wake up. I'm going to have informal meetings on my phone. Um, we're going to meet with some people at Disney and NASA <laughs> and Universal <laughs> Studio. I uh, love it. Honestly, look, it's 20 degrees in Boston as we're recording this. I got to get out and get warm. Yeah, you we're, do. Yeah. Uh, I, I left I left the cold of Seattle for Sydney. No regrets. Yeah. You do this. You take yeah. your executive time. You I go to Disney. Executive time. So proud of you. <laughs> well, I am looking at pictures of New York City Mayor Fiorella LaGuardia. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I'm doing a like retrospective video on uh, pinball and basically panic, moral panic over video games. And <laughs> a lot of that involves watching videos of former New York Mayor Fiorella LaGuardia and looking at pictures of former New York Mayor Fiorella LaGuardia. And I think he was actually a really cool dude. And I like him, despite the fact that he did ban pinball in New York City for like 40 years. <laughs> I think he's endearing. He's got a friendly face. <laughs> Where can we find you online, Christina? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And you can find my videos that I do at work at youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. Um, also, my Instagrams, I've been like on fire with the stories. So check mm -hmm. that out because when I had to have a day and a half sojourn in LA before Sydney, I went to the Save by the Bell restaurant. I went to Disneyland and, uh, so my, my most Instagrams are good. Oh, I really did. I really did. So uh, follow me on the Insta, on the Twitters, and uh, my work stuff at youtube.com slash Microsoft Developer. What about you, Bri? Uh, you can find me at Brianna Wu on Twitter and developer Brianna Wu on Facebook. And you can support my congressional campaign by going to supportbrianna.com. And you can find me at twitter.com slash doomquasar. I have been back. And yes, you can you find my videos at youtube.com slash polygon. If you enjoy this show, please do consider reviewing it on Apple Podcasts because that helps other people find it. Um, and share it with your friends, too. Share it wherever your friends may be. Don't stop. Don't stop doing that.
Thank you, everyone, for listening. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.